Welcome back to Ravens Recap. My goodness, guys, it's been going absolutely crazy today. I love what listener K Fish was saying. He's like, this is like our crack because we haven't had football news since the start of the XFL, which was, what, over a month ago. And now that the NFL is back, man, woo, it's back with a bang. Did we ever share with the pod our, uh, our little excursion to check out the XFL? Did we get a chance to share our thoughts on that? <laughs> no, no, we didn't, actually. We just uh, we mentioned that we went, and if you wanted to hear more, let us know. No one asked for it. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's on hiatus, uh, unfortunately. Thank you to uh, COVID-19 for, for doing that. Yeah, this, uh, this has been a hard time for sports. I haven't turned on SportsCenter or anything uh, <laughs> the last couple of days, but... I imagine they're feasting over all this NFL news. The NFL did not disappoint today. No, I mean, quite a lot of high-profile moves today, um, a lot of which were unexpected, some made by the Ravens. I mean, the, the Clayus Campbell was broken Saturday, right? That news was Saturday? Actually, that was on Sunday. Yeah, so that we knew was going to take place at the start of the league year, but Ravens made some other splash moves today, which we'll talk about, and uh, I guess we'll talk about some of the other ones because some of them, well, those moves have direct impact on the ASC North as well. So certainly a lot of sports news to whet our sports-starved appetites today. So yeah, Calais Campbell, I mean, the news broke uh, Sunday on that one. I don't know about you guys, but I was extremely surprised that DaCosta made this move. I thought it was, you know, when we had our, our free agency episode, you know, I think we all kind of had that name on there. We're like, oh yeah, Calais Campbell would totally fit uh, in the Ravens organization, he embodies a lot about the type of veteran players that we brought in over the years. But I mean, that then again, that being said, we knew he was going to be expensive. You know, he was like kind of a hot free agent. A lot of other teams are going to be looking at him. But what do you know? I mean, DaCosta doubled down on the aggressiveness and was able to pull off a move. And honestly, man, he just loves to trade his fifth round picks. I think it was just <laughs> amazing that we were able to get him for, you know, seemingly almost nothing in draft capital. It was just outstanding. I'm super excited that he's going to be on the team next year. And the brilliance of Eric DeCosta's move is actually it's double in that because it was a trade and not a free agent signing, it doesn't hurt the compensatory pick program. And you basically gain a pick. So that's very, very, very useful. Yeah, the trade makes sense on a, on a lot of levels um, for what the Ravens got from it. And like I said, wasn't much to give up to do that. I'm uh, excited about the potential of Campbell, and certainly if he's still got quite a bit left in the tank, I mean, this guy was the top-rated run defender, according to Pro Football Focus last year, which is absolutely what the Ravens need, (laughs) because what was the theme of last year outside of Lamar is the MVP? It was set the edge. (laughs) So (laughs) hopefully he'll be big there. What What I'm still trying to wrap my head around with this signing is you know, last year, the Ravens had a chance to make a similar signing with Gerald McCoy, and ultimately he signed with the Panthers, and the vibe I got from a lot of Ravens fans was, oh, well, I mean, that's, you know, we would have rather he signed elsewhere than come because he was, you know, too old at that point. But Campbell's not terribly much younger than McCoy. Actually, I think he's older than McCoy and has played two more seasons in the NFL, I'm just kind of confused why we're looking at this move as so much bigger of a move than signing McCoy would have been last year. I think one thing you get with Clayus Campbell is uh, a player who's been historically very dependable 
in that he only has missed a couple games over his long career. And also, even though his stats have gone down a little bit over the last three years, he's actually still being very effective, particularly in commanding double teams and being able to break through them and having success. Apparently, the only people better than him were Aaron Donald, Grady Jarrett, and Chris Jones last year. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, Calais Campbell's been around in the league for a while. Uh, looks like he was drafted in 2008. And yeah, he's, I think, been a very consistent player for the Cardinals. And then when he uh, signed with the Jags, he was also kind of uh, still playing at a really, really high level. I remember, you know, <laughs> it seems like forever ago when uh, the 2017 Jags made it to the AFC Championship game, it was largely due to the you know, play the defense, including uh, Calais Campbell that year, who had, I think, over 13 sacks. It's actually you know, very surprising that that defense has basically been completely dismantled in only a couple of years. I think the other thing to maybe think about it in terms of like how the fan base has reacted is, I don't know, I feel like going into last year, I think the fan base may have been uh, a little bit more confident in the players that we had around. I mean, we were very high on peanut and kenny young to take over for cj mosley in the offseason and we know how that turned out so i think maybe after seeing a year where our run defense was definitely the most suspect part in the defense i feel like this signing is definitely a lot more impactful and that we truly needed a guy like clayus campbell whereas last year going into it we were like ah, we could use a little bit more pass rush we're a little bit weak there gerald mccoy might have it but i don't really think you know we as like a fan base probably understood the impact of of really what a, a Gerald McCoy signing would do. That's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, and that's a fair point. And I, I do agree that the optics of it last year, signing a dominant run-stuffing D lineman who can is also one of the better uh, interior rushers, would have looked like not as big of a need last year, especially when he's older. Uh, I mean, Campbell's going to be 34 when the league year start, uh, regular season starts, excuse me. If he comes in and he does what he's his full potential has been, that reliability that he's had throughout the years and that being able to take on double teams, like you guys said, yeah, that's what was missing last year. And if if that's what they get, then that's going to free up Wink's play calling quite a bit. And hopefully they won't have to rely on schemed blitzes quite as much as last year, as we saw that was a really big problem and a problem that is a big thing they're trying to tackle this offseason. I think the other thing to keep in mind too is that Calais Campbell has had an absurdly high snap count pretty much throughout his career. I mean, you look at the last, you know, it looks like per football references, a couple of uh, stats here, Um, not for the entire time he's been in the league, but at least the couple snaps here. I mean, you have almost 80% of snaps every single year, including... You know, he had 80% in 2018 and 78% in 2019. I mean, that is a huge amount of snaps uh, for a defensive lineman and definitely a lot higher than any single one of our defensive linemen had this year on the Ravens. So, I mean, you just look at that and look at how dominant he was with that snap count. I mean, can you imagine what this guy could do if he only played like 55 to 60% of the snaps here on the Ravens? I mean, he'd be so extremely well-rested. He'd be dominating every play. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up, Chris, because actually I talked about that today with uh, Ken McCusick of Film Study. I was actually on his show earlier, and we were discussing how this is not normal for the Ravens, and not to spoil all of his research, but basically it wasn't uh, since basically the Nada days, like peak Nada days, that we had a player in that often on the defensive line. Oh, and yeah. And like peak Kelly Gregg, 
those are the only people that that were even close. And it's not typical for the Ravens. And we both thought with like a 65% snap count, for instance, which is more in line with the kind of workload that we like to give our players and, and knowing how Wink Marindale loves to cycle players at the right time, his effectiveness might even go up, which is incredible for you know an aging veteran like that. So it sounds like the other news uh, as well with Calais Campbell. So I, so we traded for him for that fifth round pick. Um, yeah, so it looks like the uh, contract that we inherit from Calais Campbell, I think it was $15 million from the Jags, um, but we're going to sign him to an extension. So two years, $25 million is the uh, contract terms. It looks like it might be $20 million guaranteed, um, which I guess makes sense. So it's a little bit high of a cap hit this year. Um, which I think makes the the rest of the free agency period all the more interesting because it definitely feels like the Ravens have got some more moves to make. But let's talk about the other two, actually. Yeah, so very shortly before we uh, started recording this, the Ravens came to terms with Michael Brockers, former defensive lineman of the St. Louis slash Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Looks like he's played in his entire career with the Rams organization, including extending back to their days in St. Louis. For three years, $30 million, $21 million of that is guaranteed. Uh, this guy is 29 years old, so he's still, he's still young, but he's getting up there in age as well. And I think the kind of the knee-jerk reaction that a lot of Ravens fans, including us, have to this signing is kind of, we need some more information. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that number seems high just based off his output, but I understand the stats don't capture everything. Yeah, I was going to say, this is actually one of the players that I looked at um, on our free agency uh, episode a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I feel like I did a little little bit of research on him, and I was like, oh, you know what, for the right price, I'm feeling pretty good about it. It seems like an Aussie kind of signing, so it looks like the take I had from four, I'm copy-pasting this from our notes here. Rockers would be an okay depth signing, but he's not going to get you a ton of production by himself. He seems to be a better run defender than a pass rusher, um, which is valuable, though um, not sure how many snaps he get here. Might be possible he's in rotation with someone else like Pecco to fill Pierce's role. So I still kind of agree with all that. I think I think is is a good depth signing, although from the contract that we're seeing, it seems more that this guy would probably be the default starter. Um, not sure whether it would be in like Pierce's role or Campbell would move into like Wormy's role or something. I, I'm not exactly sure. I think that we could have like our own like mini episode as far as like how the D line is going to be shifted around from all this stuff. But um, yeah, I will say that the contract seems a little higher than I would have expected. I mean, if just comparing this between this and the the contract that we're going to be giving Calais Campbell, I mean, it's pretty comparable, and I. I wouldn't think of Michael Brockers as a guy being on that same level as somebody like Calais Campbell, although he is four years younger. Um, it's, you know, I guess there's maybe something to that, but still, man, that's uh, kind of surprising. I'm not upset about it, but definitely a surprise uh, in terms of the numbers. Yeah, I agree. I think when you're giving a guy that much money, I would hope he's a little more than a than a depth signing. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is a, a big hold to fill if Michael Pierce is truly going to be gone from this team. And I hadn't thought about that rotational aspect that you, you mentioned, but yeah, I think you're completely right. I mean, he could pair well with, with a guy like, like Pecco or, um, 
and you know have Pekka come in during during pass rush uh, situations. I I guess since um, that's not Brocker's stronger suit of the game, but they went after this guy early. Obviously, there's something that they see in him that is going to fit really well with this defense, and I'm excited to learn more about this guy and see what he's going to bring to the team. I echo all those thoughts. It seems like a complete retooling of our defensive line based off a couple of these moves, and we'll definitely have to see how it all shakes out. I think there was reports that we were going to re-sign Jihad Ward, but they wanted to get a few things ironed out, and and now I'm kind of wondering what his role looks like and and where, honestly, the cap room is going to come from. We were doing some analysis of the cap, and it looks like, given the Brockers deal, <laughs> they're almost out. Like, I don't know what's going on. So I'm looking for more information to understand how the cap will work out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think given the info we have, I think we know for a fact that Pierce is not coming back. I feel like it's sort of questionable whether Judon is actually going to play for us this year. Because obviously, I mean, the uh, cap number associated with the franchise tag is going to be very high. So a lot of cap room could be freed up that way. Um, still TBD. I mean, I mean, heck, I mean, if we had this D line paired with, you know, Judon still on the outside and a high draft pick, you know, or maybe Ferguson taking a, a big step forward on the other side. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good defensive line, uh, outside linebacker room right there. But, uh, yeah, Jahab Ward as well. I, you know, we were pretty excited about him. I know Alec, uh, you definitely were, I mean, hope that we can get a contract signed for him and, and squeeze out some cap room somewhere, but yeah, definitely, uh, Definitely very questionable. These next couple of days, I think, are going to be extremely interesting in terms of free agency. So I definitely don't think we've seen the last of uh, the Ravens signing yet. Yeah, it seems like Carr is also going to be a, a cap casualty. I can't see them keeping him on the books at this point, just given his higher cap number and the fact that <laughs> they're going to be in need of cap room. And we'll see what happens with Jimmy Smith. I think that's also up in the air. The only way that those guys stick around is if some movement is made with Judon which is definitely a possibility. Well, we already saw the first of the Ravens doing some cap savings moves today in uh, a move that's been a little bit uh, a little bit controversial already based on some some things we've talked about and hearing some Ravens opinions on the radio while driving home. You know, we've been hearing rumors about it that it might happen and Hayden Hurst did get traded today to the Atlanta Falcons for their second round pick the Atlanta Falcons signed Hurst because they had just let Austin Hooper go who broke the bank in Cleveland uh, which is another interesting move I guess we'll we'll talk about but I think we got to talk about Hurst going to Atlanta first because if you you got listeners know Hurst is a guy who is you know a favorite of ours especially Chris's uh, it's kind of some mixed feelings right guys seeing Hayden Hurst get traded yeah, it definitely does. It, uh, you know, I, I mean, you're right, Peter. I mean, we we had seen the news. I mean, we saw it uh, last year before the Jalen Ramsey trade. There was some speculation that we had offered Jacksonville, uh, Hayden Hurst, um, and like a first round pick uh, in exchange for Jalen Ramsey. We know that didn't happen, but it was kind of like the first uh, seed in there that we uh, we might trade number eighty one. And uh, I think it came up probably about a week ago again. They were like, oh, Jacksonville's still looking for a tight end. You know, are the Ravens still going to trade Hurst? 
And coincidentally enough, this was actually tied to the Calais Campbell trade. So I think, let's see, the fifth round pick that we got from Campbell ended up going to Atlanta <laughs> first. So Jacksonville was actually somewhat involved in this trade, ironically. It, it feels bad, man. I mean, we talked about it at length. Hurst is one of those guys who just felt like he was really, really good. It just he didn't have a whole lot of opportunities playing behind a guy like Andrews, who was just so good. And, you know, playing behind uh, Nick Boyle, who is just an absolutely amazing uh, run blocker in our scheme. So he is not going anywhere. So I feel bad from that perspective of, you know, he was a really, I know he's going to be a really good player. Um, Unfortunately, not for the Ravens. It feels bad, man. It feels bad that the Ravens had to clean out the Hearst locker. So, but I wish him all the success with him in Atlanta, unless he plays against the Ravens, in which case, I don't know. I just hope he sits it out. I don't wish him to get injured or anything i just don't want him to do anything good against us well he definitely seems like a favorite of the locker room ingram sent out he's gonna ball out marlon humphrey told him to hold it down judon and rg3 stanley everyone gave him props people are expecting big things out of him and and honestly i am too we were talking before the game like everyone's gonna want to get hearst on their fancy team we all know what he can do and uh, we know how Austin Hooper was able to benefit from that offense last year before he got injured. So there definitely is a lot of potential for this guy to finally show what we all know is true about him and that he's a productive uh, player. I will say, for me, I'm kind of glad we made the trade now because his value, I think, would only decrease over time as we yeah. only had less years of, like, I guess teams have like less years of leverage, if that's the right term, on mm-hmm. his contract. So it's one of those things, like, it had to happen we were never going to resign him. That was the that was clear. He was going to be a guy that left, similar to like a Ben Grubbs many years ago, where he's a good player, but Yonda was on the team, and we had to make a choice. Uh, similarly, we had to make a choice with Mark Andrews, and he was probably going to get the short end of the stick there. So here we are, at least getting some value out of him. And I mean, the <laughs> thing is, we got a second round pick for this guy. You know who else got a second round pick for a player? <laughs> the houston texans for a guy named deandre hopkins you might have heard of him before (laughs) yeah the uh the number one or you know arguably number one number two wide receiver of uh, fantasy football for the last three or four years (laughs) not even fantasy football just like i think the only football only wide receiver in the nfl i would rather have than deandre hopkins right now is michael thomas right and you can make the the case uh, that DeAndre Hopkins is better than Michael Thomas and just has never played with a quality quarterback. It's incredible to me that this trade happened. It came out completely out of left field. I didn't hear anything about Hopkins publicly having any problems with Houston. So I I haven't, don't even know why this even happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd love to continue talking about trashing bill o'brien uh, i did want to make one point though about Hearst um to kind of continue off what you were saying alec in that yeah i mean that's the that's the the one thing i kind of look at is like a if we're just talking about uh, trade value of i mean we got a second round pick for a backup nigh third string tight end i mean that's that's bananas like can you imagine <laughs> how many other teams would love to trade their third tight end if they have one for a second round pick it's just that's absolutely bonkers. 
And you know, I, I think it's also kind of funny too, because when we drafted Hayden Hurst in the first round, a lot of people were just like, oh, like you can't take a tight end like that early. Like you can get one in the third. And then we go around and get Andrews in the third round. People were like, oh, see, you know, you didn't need to draft the first round. And then we get a team that ends up giving a second round pick, like a high second round pick for this guy. And it's just like, well, you know, we can't be that bad if 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 you have people clearly willing to want to spend draft capital to be able to get a player like this. So totally agree with you. I think the the longer we keep Hurst around, the lower his value goes down. We know that he wasn't going to stick around because we had Andrews, because we have Lamar Jackson. These guys are going to take up a huge portion of the cap. We can't keep everybody. And to be able to get something for him, especially as high as a second-round pick, it's just it's a win-win trade in my, in my opinion. I'm going to feel real bad. Uh, I'm going to miss Hurst to death, though. Uh, but I really, really hope that he gets his shot in Atlanta because he's got a lot of talent. And, you know, there are a lot of, uh, I think, fans in the Baltimore that are really going to root for him. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's like this trade isn't even, uh, man, this this sucks just because of the business aspect of it. It's also just, you know, just for Hayden Hurst, like you said, he's going to get an actual opportunity to be the guy. He's not going to be the guy in this offense. I think... My personal theory with why the Ravens drafted both these tight ends in 2018 was kind of a contingency plan for what was going to happen at quarterback. I'm not basing this off anything that anyone said. I'm just to look at how Mark Andrews works really well with a mobile quarterback and a quarterback who's who's improvising. He has especially it was especially evident in doing all these game watch rewatches that we did for the pod how Andrews is really adept at finding space in the open field when a play breaks down and just has really excellent footwork in making slight changes to his route to based on what the defense has given him. And Hurst is that guy who's, you know, a pretty solid route runner and has a de- the really dependable hands kind of seems like a guy who fits a lot better with Joe Flacco than Lamar Jackson. My theory is that whichever these two guys I don't think they would have re-signed both of them if it was flipped. Uh, and Hurst was the one who produced better and had less injuries starting with. And it was it was just, at that time, you didn't the Ravens didn't know what was going to happen with quarterback. Was Flacco going to have more left in the tank? Was Lamar going to be able to turn himself into a quality NFL passer? I, we know what happened now, but at the time, you could make the argument for either of those quarterbacks being the current starter going into 2020. So again, that's not anything I've heard. That was just a thought I came across halfway through last season. But I think in the end, it works out best for best for Hurst and best for the Ravens. That's definitely an interesting take. I mean, I don't disagree with it. I think it's, I think it's actually pretty interesting. Uh, you know, unfortunately, the only data that we really have is that Andrews did play with uh, Joe for a couple of games. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head what his stats were, but obviously Andrews didn't really blow up until the season with Lamar, but he had a promising rookie season. Uh, but the flip side is is that actually we didn't really get to see Hayden Hurst and Joe play together because of uh, Hurst's foot injury last year. So I don't think we're ever going to know the answer to that question unless uh, by some really weird stretch of events – uh, Joe Flacco gets traded to the Falcons and something happens with Matt Ryan and Matt Schaub. <laughs> we see Joe and Hurst playing together again. Uh, I have no idea what the probability on that would be, but uh, maybe it's possible. 
Yeah, it's hard to say, but I do think it was an interesting take, Peter, just because, as we know, they were all rookies together, right? So, like, it makes sense that Mark Andrews would get better over his rookie season with uh, Lamar Jackson when he came in later in the season, right? So, it makes sense. I, I get what you guys are saying. Still bonkers to me how, how amazing that draft was. I mean, we talked about it last episode, but that draft was so good. Hey, and it might get better. Yeah, we'll see you again in the second round. Can you yeah? Can you imagine what we get for that second round and the uh, the fifth round pick from the Falcons? Well, the fifth round pick's already gone, but <laughs> the uh, I think in the second round pick, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if we get a wide receiver because there's a lot of wide receiver depth in the second round, and especially considering the wasteland that is the current uh, free agent market for that position. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know. There might be a weak uh, free agent market for receivers, but I don't think it's stopping people from talking about uh, whether we bring on uh, Stefan Diggs. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He, he had a few tweets again today. <laughs> I think guy, I think, guys, yeah, I think that's why they're talking tweet. about it. King mystery tweet. Well, hey, if we got Stefan Diggs in Baltimore, I'd be thrilled. He'd be a drafted high for me in fantasy. Yet again. <laughs> Ride that wave. <laughs> I would make sure no. to drive up that price, and I would not be thrilled. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't know. Especially after knowing the the Campbell and Brocker signings, it's like, where's this cap going to come from, guys? We can't oh just yeah, yeah. We, can't, we can't afford to bring <laughs> Diggs in if he, you know, unless you drop like ten million dollars off his cap hit or something. Oh yeah, there's no way of actually bringing him in. <laughs> not at this point. Yeah, I mean, we we looked at who might be some cuts for the Ravens, and like. One guy that kind of looks like a possibility would be Brandon Williams, but he doesn't. He has not that much uh, cap savings this year. More so next year. I could definitely see it happening next year, but this year not so much. So I don't know. I really don't know where they're going to get this cap room from. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Well, actually, that brings us to one. So in addition to Hayden Hurst, we heard uh, some other news from the Hurst locker. So uh, James Hurst, uh, longtime guard for the Ravens, although not as long as uh, Marshall Yanda who uh, we talked about last episode, was also released. So that saves about almost $3 million in cap room. So uh, it's something. So, But honestly, I mean, in my opinion, with James Hurst, though, it, it kind of was a no-brainer move. I mean, he was really, in my opinion, he was really a, it's supposed to be a depth guy for the Ravens. Uh, I think it was pretty telling when uh, Scurra went down and, you know, we didn't move... Uh, Bozeman inside to center uh, to put Hurst in the line. Uh, we really just plugged in McCarry. I mean, in my personal opinion, I think that was probably more about how the Ravens viewed Hurst and that they really wanted Hurst to kind of be a backup uh, to be able to step in into uh, tackle or guard on like a short-term basis, but not for him to actually play significant snaps. Now, whether there's anything to back it up or not, like I'm not sure. Again, that's that's kind of just my take on it. I mean, another take could just be that they thought McCarry was really going to be that good at stepping in and backup center, so that's why they had him start. But I mean, at the end of the day, when you look at it, I mean, you know, paying that much money for you know a backup tackle, backup guard, doesn't really seem to make too much sense. You know, especially with all these picks that the Ravens have, they really want to restock uh, some of the draft picks uh, as far as offensive line is concerned. I think you could probably get somebody in, in a low round pick that would be able to step in and play around a level that James Hurst would play. So I think it just makes a lot of sense. So I'm, I'm not so surprised on that one. I was a little surprised given the versatility he brings, but it looks like now the Ravens are going to probably retool through the draft when it comes to the line. It's going to become a very young dra- uh, line and it already was young, but it's going to become younger still. Mm-hmm. 
we could benefit from a veteran signing, but I'm not sure where that guy's going to come from. Like we said, the cap room looks like it's getting filled up quite quickly. All right. Well, it's definitely some exciting signings and happenings with the Ravens and free agency right now and some other big stuff going around the league. I guess this is kind of the biggest thing that's happening in sports right now with, unfortunately, with the tournament being canceled. So we'll keep you up to date on the rest of the stuff that's happening and our thoughts on it as well. But as I said, unfortunately, we don't have the basketball tournament this year. So in light of that and keeping in the theme with last week's episode, we put together a little tournament of our own, which might excite some of our listeners. Yeah, I think this is kind of like an off-the-cuff kind of idea that we had once we came up the list of all the comp picks that the Ravens have ever uh, selected. Uh, when we were talking about how the sports are being canceled, and we were like, oh, we should we should maybe do something with all these comp picks. Maybe uh, have a comp pick uh, bracket going to uh, make sure that we compensate the rest of you guys for... Uh, you know, including ourselves, actually. I don't know why I'm excluding us. Like, we're also not <laughs> being able to have put our, our brackets in for this year for March Madness. So, um, yeah, think of it as, like, we're compensating ourselves and the rest of you with the Ravens comp pick bracket. Yeah, I think this is super fun. Once uh, the idea came up, it was kind of a joke, but then I was like, you know what? I think we should do this. I think it's a great idea. And it'll be curious to see how it plays out. We did leave uh, a couple of people off the list because it was a lot of, uh, you know, superfluous players that uh we didn't really know how to rank and it made the bracket ugly so we made a 32 person bracket and i think it's kind of cool we we did some seeding based off of our uh you know our opinions but we're curious to see if there's any upsets or if uh, we got it wrong yeah and i think at at first you know when we came up with the idea i thought it seemed like it might be a little too niche topic to uh get too much of a following on but the more i thought about it i mean it's kind of different you know you'll see at this time like brackets will come out and nfl.com will do their nfl related brackets like you know yeah who is the the greatest team in nfl history and i'll put them all up or greatest play or whatever so i mean we could have done something more mainstream like you know ranked seated all-time great ravens or all-time great ravens games but you know, I, th- I think this is one is something that, as we said last week, you know, we couldn't even find an article that listed all the names of everyone that the Ravens have drafted as a comp pick. So it's not something, you know, we talk about much as fans. So I think uh, that makes it kind of kind of unique. And hopefully you guys uh, find this uh, at least somewhat as interesting as, as we did. <laughs> so we posted the bracket with the, this week's show. And we're going to also tweet about it. And we're hoping that everyone will submit their brackets on Twitter and kind of get a dialogue going. I know I'm going to reach out to a few people uh, in the Ravens community and see if we get some expert opinions, so to speak. And uh, it'll be fun to compare them all and, and see what the results are. And as always, we know that whenever the brackets come out, everyone has their opinions on who's underseated, who's overseated, who is gypped. You know, if for some reason one of the guys who we left off is a guy you really thought should have been in the bracket or you really don't agree with, you know, I don't know, uh, Prescott Burgess being a 30 seed, you know, he's really <laughs> gypped, which really should have been, you know, up there like the, you know, 24, 23 range, you know, we have no problem with you filling that void where you need to just angrily rant on Twitter to the selection committee about how they underseated <laughs> teams or overvalued teams. Just direct that to us. We'll take it. We'll enjoy it. So 
I, I'm excited about this. I think I think this will be some good, lighthearted fun to kind of take people's minds off of uh, the other stuff that's going on right now, and just you know, just something to kind of just lighthearted to to ease your mind and some some times that have have been tense for some people. Yeah, I think it would be great. I would really love for somebody to uh, tell me why there needs to be an upset in this one. I mean, I think there are, there are a bunch of lower seeded players in here who I think there could be some interesting arguments for. So I'd love to definitely hear all the different opinions from people to, to see uh, which player is the most fond of and, and why. So it's also, you know, another great way to just t- talk about some of these guys. You know, a lot of them later round picks. I mean, obviously, you know, comp picks are only for the third through uh, seventh rounds. So they're all late round picks. I mean, some of these guys are more well known, some of them not so much. But I mean, all of these were have been, you know, mostly good players uh, throughout the Ravens history, they all have a story to tell. And so it'd be great to hear uh, some more stories that we may not not have uh, heard of on the pod. So yeah, get these picks into us. Enjoy Ravens comp pick March Madness, so to speak. Uh, not maybe not the best substitute in the world, but who else is providing uh, <laughs> providing brackets? Uh, we make do with what we can right now. With that, we're going to wrap up the show. Reach out to us on Twitter. Now's a great time with the bracket uh, to follow us and, and get involved. You can also email us feedback at ravensrecap.com if you have any off-season thoughts, particularly about all these signings. What do you guys think about it? And if you could give us a review on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts, that would really help us get to the top of the rankings. We want more people to hear Ravens recap and enjoy our lighthearted fun and, uh, (laughs) you know, have something good to listen to on their commutes. With that, we'll be back. As we said earlier, the Ravens aren't done in this free agency extravaganza, and we're not done making pods either. So we'll catch you later.